the views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of William Shatner and Alan Cross alone. They do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Not that they have any. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine. Available on approved credit. Some conditions apply. See store for details. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. So at this very moment, Alan is enjoying the sunnier climes of the Caribbean. And instead of actually finding, say, maybe a substitute co-host which now that I think of it, it's probably a good idea. We would instead just decide to run an excerpt from Alan's interview with William Shatner. Now, there's a little bit of background before we get into this that explains why Bill, as he calls it, and Alan hang out. So join me now for a very special edition of Geeks and Beats. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. So Alan's got spotty Wi-Fi at this fabulous Caribbean resort he's always at. And we thought instead of risk blowing a deadline, we'll just do an episode that is something pulled from the archive. Now, we could have faked it. Like, I've got an entire collection of Alan Cross clips that I could have used. We could have talked, uh, for example, about, gee, isn't that Miley Cyrus just terrible? Uh, Yes, that's true. Exactly. And I could throw in a a clip of him thinking that I was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) But we figured you'd probably catch on because, first of all, I'm not that hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, Alan generally has a lot more to say, too. Yes. So instead, we would go to a little bit of Alan Cross history. This man's got a connection with William Shatner. Space, a final frontier. So it was a couple of years back that Alan and William Shatner were actually touring across Canada on a spoken word tour that the Shat had organized. And what Alan would do is he'd get get out there on stage, warm up the crowd, and then uh, the Shat would come out, and the two of them would carry on a conversation. And that went on uh, for quite some time. When he went down to the States, he actually didn't bring Alan with him. And if you want to hear more about the whole tour, as a matter of fact, uh, read the liner notes, and we'll be sure to have a link there for you uh, to some of the other episodes. But uh, anyway, uh, Shatner recently put out an album, a progressive rock album, as he was calling it. The stiff neck of arrogance and the bent bow of humility. in the world and the war of anxiety. I feel the need to apologize for assaulting you with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, William Shatner takes it quite seriously. And so he and Alan sat down to talk about it. Alan Cross. How are you today? Are you... um, Got your vo- you got your radio voice on. Uh, I do. I'm in my studio at home. And, and oh, for God's sake! How did I know that? <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course uh, I have. Listen, uh, you came to Los Angeles. You got went back. Why didn't you stay a while? Well, I couldn't because I had to get back to do some other things. I, I would have otherwise stayed, but you know, maybe maybe if you end up taking this little review to Las Vegas, I'll come see you there. Well, 
I would like to do that. We just have to be invited and uh, and do some stuff with it. Okay, let's get back to the beginning and explain what we're talking about here. So you have, is this your fourth album? I, I think so, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, fourth or fifth, something like that, yeah. It's called Ponder the Mystery. You've got a, a really crack band together with two guys from... No, a, no, that's Circa, and that's Billy Sherwood's uh, group. So he brought them in. And they're a unit. I mean, they go their way. They they tour. Uh, uh, they've got a following as well. So, how did you meet Billy Sherwood? Well, uh, uh, the label um, uh, and um, and the owner of the label, his name will come to me in mid sentence, um, uh, introduced us. The the uh, Brian Pereira. Uh, introduced us, uh, he had worked with Billy. Billy Sherwood was a child prodigy and uh, and then became a member of the Yes, uh, the group Yes, and did a lot of work with them, and then eventually formed his own group, Circa, with Tony Kay, who played the keyboards uh, for Yes, was the original member of Yes. So he, uh, Billy and Tony have formed this group called Circa, which now has taken over the musical passages that the, this large group of iconic musicians play on the album in order to uh, tour and retain that quality. These guys have, um, have uh, taken over the, the chore of doing the solo work. When we were talking earlier of the month, uh, I came down to see you in October, uh, you were actually a little, <laughs> this is something you'd never done before, fronted a rock band, and you were kind of kind of trepidatious about it. Well, um, you know, I was thinking of Mick Jagger running around, jumping up on the stuff at 70, and, uh, and that's old, man. Uh, and uh, so I, I couldn't picture myself running up and down with my shirt open. Uh, on a stage. So the next thought was, well, what do I do? How do I act? How do I present myself to an audience that's come to watch uh, rock and roll and watch me and watch the performance of the album? How do I, what do I do on stage? Well, no, no, let's just back up a little second. Why did you want to be the front man of a rock band? Well, the, the thought was introduced by Sherwood, uh, of we could we could perform this album. Well, the thought had never uh, I'd never considered that, and, uh, and I thought, wow, what a great idea! Uh, the words lend themselves to uh, to be spoken in a theater, and I, I could do this. I, I had done stuff like this before. I had uh, I once did. Um, uh, on tour, I once did the poem uh, "Wales Weep Not," which was all about. Uh, they say the sea is cold, but the sea contains the hottest blood of all. Uh, and then it goes on to name the whales, the right whale, the blah, blah, blah. And I had heard uh, "Sounds of the Deep," I think it was called, um, a long time ago, which were all sounds of whales. So I edited. The, the sounds of the whale made it like music and inserted my words 
in between these wee ah woo ah ah and and did the words and I I premiered it at the Hollywood Bowl in front of eighteen thousand people, wondering how is this going to go, and it went well and sufficiently well so that I was asked to do it in a half a dozen other places in major venues. So I've been in front of an audience with music, and I've done Peter and the Wolf, and I've done uh, a variety of things. Uh, I did a biblical thing with uh, with a symphonic orchestra. I read a chapter of the Bible, uh, which I recorded. Um, so I've done this a lot, but not in front, with, not with a rock and roll group. Well, I, I told you after the show that you, I think you may have found your niche. It, it was, it was, it was. A really interesting show. Very. I mean, right, that's a very, very innocuous word uh, <laughs> for a perceptive music man. So, yeah, explain that to me, and I guess to the audience. Okay. What do you mean by interesting? Uh, it was something that you. Here's a performer who has gone outside his normal comfort zone of being an actor, doing something in front of a live audience that is a very difficult thing to do, and you. Uh, accorded yourself and and did yourself proud. I, I think a lot of people were quite surprised at um, that this this was this was serious stuff, and you pulled it off. Well, uh, I, I want I want more, more uh, uh, words of praise than pulling it off. Okay, um, I, and remember that uh, at the audience you were seven hundred fifty people. Stood and cheered. They did. You did get a big standing ovation at the end, and they were wrapped the entire time. They did not interrupt you. They sat there looking at you glowingly and with adoration. They were even wrapped at my rap. Uh, they were. They were. And I was. I was off to the side of the stage, and I was. I was watching you, and I was watching the band. And I was watching the rest of the audience as well, and they were completely enthralled. Am I doing better? Uh, enthralled is a great word. Yeah, they were completely enthralled, and they. Um, they hung on your every word and on the band's every note. Perfect. I mean that. Now that I'm going to write up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Oh, you know, uh, Alan, you, you and I have known each other now uh, quite a while, and we've been to, in each other's company. Uh, we toured Australia, uh, Canada together. Yes. Uh, and we got to know each other quite well and, uh, and love each other. Uh, at least it certainly is on my side. I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just merely assuming one does when one loves, that the other party is equal in intensity. Yes, most certainly. And and uh, and praise from you being Canada's premier uh, music critic, in my opinion, uh, praise from you is, is hard won. Can I tell a, a quick story here that has to do with that tour? Absolutely. At the end of, the, uh, of each show... Uh, we were looking for something for you to we sing. We toured in my one-man show, Yes, but you asked me questions, and I, and I focused on the answer. Right, and when you took the show to Broadway, I was replaced by an empty chair. But we'll move beyond that. Not a problem. <laughs> um, when we were looking for, you were looking for something to sing at the end of the show, and you, we, we ended up choosing uh, Stomp and Tom's Hockey Song. And then there was one point, I guess in maybe the first or the second show, you were having trouble getting the rhythm of the song right. And you, you're, you're on stage, we're doing this as a dress rehearsal, and, and uh, you, you're, you're getting through it, and then you stop and you look at me and you go, what am I doing wrong? How do I get this right? And I said a couple of things, and then it occurred to me halfway through opening my mouth that I was helping you learn how to sing a song. Right. 
And that was that was a moment for me <laughs> of some sort. That's great. With your musical background and all, I, I, I have a dearth of that and, and totally recognize it. So my skills are in words and not music. And the fact is, the fact is, Alan, that music is a mysterious place to go, even for musicians who may have long since forgotten the, the appeal, the, the magical thing that music is. Music, vocally, is repeated in the animal world. I've got puppies at my house who vocalize a lot. So, and whales, and all those calls, and all of nature is alive with sound <clears throat> made from their, vocal, uh, from their vocal box. But man is the only animal that manufactures an instrument, takes a piece of wood, a cat gut, and a horse hair, and makes this beautiful sound that is nothing like the human voice, or something like it, if it's a viola, and makes this magical vibration that is appealing to us, humans, may not to dogs who howl, but maybe they're howling in appreciation as against uh, it hurts their ears. I don't know. But the mysterious thing of, of music, and even more mysterious perhaps, is rhythm and syncopation. What is that, and how do you count, and when do you come in? It's so mysterious, Alan. Hmm. Can we, we only have a, a short time together. I, I want to kind of go back through your discography and very quickly touch on a few things. You began recording musical works with the Transformed Man in, in 1968. Why? What was the genesis of that? Uh, a, a big company then, and maybe it'll resonate, Decca. Yes. Well, Decca asked me to make an album. I'm a young actor. I'm getting, I'm having some success in in in, act, in the Star Trek, and I say, okay, what'll I do? Uh, I'll do a uh, a a a uh, a literate a literature piece of literature and link it to music because I love literature and and the and the great speeches that. Shakespeare and Edmund Rostand wrote, and all those people, I love to perform them, and they're musical, write original music and segue into a piece of literature of today, which is some of the great songs, which have great lyrics to it. And there's a melodic musical background to that. And I will show either uh, a, a, a philosophy that, that, is the, that compares, or the opposite philosophy in either one of those things. But each one of those cuts is, is three minutes. That's a total of six minutes. You've got to hear it together to understand what I'm doing. But if you take one out of context, you're saying, well, what's he doing? Especially if you take the musical part. Uh, and that's what happened. People took things like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds out of context. They said, well, what's he doing? Well, what I'm doing is performing LSD, a guy who thinks of, uh, of uh, 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 tangerine uh, tangerine trees and marmalade skies, and that's LSD to me. That's a, that's a vision, and I try to perform it as a guy looped. Where? In comparison to Edmund Rostand's uh, Cyrano, has a speech which ends, "I may climb to no great heights, but I will climb alone, and 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 without drugs." Now here's a guy that needs drugs. That was in my fantasy. Okay. So, um, where was this album made? Was it made in L.A.? Or I made heard... in L.A., uh, if I remember correctly, the Decca Studio of some kind. 
Okay. And it was done completely uh, straight. Well, I didn't mean to joke about it, no. No, okay. No, that's not what I was... Okay. I mean, uh, there are some things, looking back, I wish I had done differently, but... You know. Listen, it was 1968. It was a time of experimentation for everybody. Well, every, every time should be a time of experimentation. Okay. Why should you take one year to experiment and not another year? Everything should be full, filled with experimentation. And there's another truth here. You can't succeed until you fail, because you don't know what, where the success lies. You don't know whether you like something uh, uh, to eat unless you try it. And if it doesn't work, if you say, spit it out, well, you know not to do that. Well, you have to fail in order to succeed. And people don't give you that allowance. It was a very long time before you made another musical record. That was 2004 when Ben Folds... Uh... Ben Folds had heard The Transformed Man, picked it up, as I joke, uh, as he told me, uh, at a garage sale. He played it, and he calls me. He gets in touch with me by letter. He says, I've written a song for you. Uh, uh, the song was White Oleander in uh, an album that was very successful for him called called uh, Fear of Pop. And that was one of the top songs on Fear of Pop. And that was written for you. So he says, okay, um, now let's collaborate on an album? Or No, no, I wait. I him when I was offered uh, uh, another chance to do another album. Right, because the Golden Throats guys were in your office. That's right. So the Golden Throats guys are in my office. They say, would you like another album the phone rings at that moment the phone rings it's it's uh ben uh, making a social call and i say hold on a second i ask the guys uh the golden throat guys would you accept ben Fo- oh yeah uh, i ben would you produce a record oh yeah and that's how that happened and has been turned out to be a very successful record for you you became something of a uh, an alternative music star with with uh, things like your cover of pulp's common people well Common people got a lot of uh, of notice, and some of my songs did too. Yes. The album is—I'm very proud of that album. That's no laughing matter, not to me at any rate. No, no, it was it was taken very seriously as it should have been. And right. was um, didn't part of that record become part of a ballet? Yes, uh, a well-known uh, choreographer uh, called me and said she'd like to use six uh, or so songs from the album to. Uh, to do a ballet, and uh, and I put uh, some cameras on it, and it became a document. It is, it's a wonderful ballet now, and I did a documentary called uh, Gonzo Ballet, a documentary in the making of a ballet. It just so happens it was my song, and I've seen footage of that, and that is, it's 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 kind of sexy to be honest with you. It is. I mean, those dancers and the and the the rhythm and the and the way the songs are going. Yeah. So, but man, that was an evolutionary step on its way to this record, uh, Pond of the Mystery. Yeah, I bet. Okay, but then there was a record in the in the middle there with Seeking Major Tom. Right. So they come to me and say, "Would I make another record?" So they say, "Here's the songs we'd like you to sing. They're all science fiction songs. I, I don't want to do that. But what I can do is take some of those songs, and here's my fantasy: Major Tom goes up in the air, and in the Bowie song." The, he steps out into space and he disappears. I know where he goes. He walks on the moon, he dances in space, he's a space cowboy, and all those things. And finally he goes to heaven in a, in a song by Sinatra, and he goes to hell in uh, Iron Man. And then the, then the, uh, then the, uh, the thing breaks up, the, the shuttle breaks up, the spaceship breaks up, and we lose him. Hmm. That's 
my fantasy on that album. See, nobody approaches music quite the way you do. It's 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 fascinating. Well, what I, the way I'm approaching it, it seems to me like I'm evolving it as well as you hear it. Is it's almost a scenario. It's almost here's my take on that film. Only we're doing it with music. I'm I'm looking at some of the people that you have worked with over the last couple of years. Zach Wilde, Peter Frampton, Brian May, Steve Howe, uh, Richie Blackmore, um, who else? Uh, Brad Paisley. Um, we've and already on, ta- this work, on this record. Yeah, we've already talked about the circuit guys. Another uh, contingent of uh, extraordinary musicians. Steve Vai, Rick Wakeman, Edgar Winter, Vince Gill, Robbie Krieger, George Duke. Like, How do you know all these folks? Uh, some of them I don't know. Some of them I know. But every one of them, every one of those names uh, uh, have, uh, have said, yes, uh, I'd love to do it. Or I'm anxious to do it. I'm jumping in. Uh, why? I don't know. But Billy Sherwood uh, has been told, whether it's true or not, that this is some of his best work. This is, it's, it's, it's really quite in, incredible. I mean, Alan Parsons, Bootsy Collins on some records here. Um, who else am I missing? Uh, uh Al, Demi, uh, Al Demiola? Demiola? Yeah. Mick Jones, a foreigner? You know, it's, it's, it's a testament to, I, I, I think, your achievements as, as an actor, a philanthropist, and, and just an all-round artist, that these guys would be willing to work with you, wanting oh, to work I, with you. I take it as a, as a huge compliment that instead of saying, uh, no, that's a laugh, they know what I'm trying to do. Now, you can laugh, uh, if you will, but uh, yeah, it was, it was some interviewer said, "Is this a spoof or is this for real?" <laughs> and I, you know, see, I I know better than to ask that question. I was thunderstruck. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to get people who consider themselves consider themselves critics to stop a moment and see, well, what's the idiot doing? Or what is this artist trying to create? Uh, it, 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 it speaks of their, of their lack of uh, ability to, to be flexible. Well, I tell you, the show that I saw on Friday night was very serious, very meticulously rehearsed, and very carefully performed. It's, uh, there's, there's... We did. We spent weeks rehearsing. This was very... See, uh, as astute as you are... This was very carefully rehearsed, and this was a lot of hours went into into that show, those three shows. <laughs> the problem you have, <clears throat> the problem you have in clubs like like that, is the sound system. It's not the best. It's not focused in that in that triangle that you uh, that where sound expa- expands, and so how to control the the drums. And the voice, how to make those uh, the same, uh, is difficult in a small room. Well, I tell you, smallest room. Although seven hundred and fifty people is not not too small. Listen, I tell you, you looked awfully comfortable up there. If that is a, that, that was. was that was only three shows, but I mean the band was was super tight. Uh, you looked super confident, and uh, the music was was played and, and performed like you guys had been doing this for years. Well, that's. You know, Alan, if you like something musical, I am out of my mind with uh, with a joy. Okay, now what? What are you doing next? 
that's on to, to on Thursday, I think. We're having a meeting with all the agents and and Billy and and uh, we want to tour it. Uh, the question is where, and and it's also a question of finances. Uh, everybody needs to uh, make some money on it. So, how much does this act cost? Where can we tour it? Can we open for a larger group to begin with? Uh, can we uh, do it on our own? Uh, we 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 certainly have two hours of music there and and some fun and. Uh, the trick is getting the right act. That's uh, that's a good one. And then, of course, you have to think about you know what size of venues are you going to use. And hey, was that your laser or was that part of the uh, the, the venue? No, that was part of the venue. Uh, that's okay. So you... our our equipment. So that's another thing. Our equipment consisted of all the band stuff and all those electronic things that they they you know nowadays, as you well know, but your audience might not. They 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 play recordings which are timed to the beat, and then they come on so that there's a vocal or another soloist or, you know, there's a lot going on that adds to the production that makes the, the, the group of four and myself, the fifth member, sound more than just that few. So our equipment consists of that electronic equipment and our sound stuff uh, and no lights and no, uh, you know, no speakers to, to speak of. Well, here's here's one beautiful thing about uh, you being the vocalist. You don't need auto tune. Exactly. <laughs> Although I can use it, <laughs> and 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 the truth of the matter is, when you, the show you saw, for for some incredible reason, uh, I guess the rushing around that was a two hour drive for me to get down there. Uh, uh, no, no, not there. It was two hour drive the next day. Anyway, I was. Uh, I had a lot of things to do. I forgot my harmonica because I play the harmonica in the show. No, is that you, what? Really? One of those during twice two places in those numbers, I trot out this G monica, G harmonica, and uh, and I play uh, along with the band. Oh, I'm so sorry I missed that. You'll have to see the show again. <laughs> William Shatner blowing a mean heart. Part of our equipment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all you had to do was bring yourself and a harmonica, and you forgot the harmonica. Yeah, well, I had other things to bring, too, oh, okay. like clothes. I had clothes to bring, makeup to bring. I had a lot of stuff to do. Okay, all right. <laughs> See, now you need an entourage. <laughs> right, me and my entourage. Well, I, I appreciate the time. This is, this has been fun. Uh, we'll get together at some point uh, somewhere down the road, and uh, we'll, we'll talk music again. We have to. We have to. We have some lot of talking to do. Yeah, and uh, uh, we'll. Uh, I, you know, I, please keep me posted on on on, on touring this thing because because uh, I'll 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 come and watch it again. Uh, I will definitely keep you. Thank you so much, Alan. You can catch that conversation between Alan and the Shat again in isolation on the website at geeksandbeats.com. Next week we will be back with a regular show, so long as Alan decides to return to minus 23 degrees in downtown Toronto. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We are going to see what we can do about convincing Alan to be interested in Doctor Who. No, no. Forget this Star Trek crap. Doctor Who is where it's at. We'll be talking to someone who knows what he's talking about on this subject. That's next week 
Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.